Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul Picking. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. We are recapping a very eventful one or two days here of the Dolphins offseason so far because that's really what it is, all mashed into one or two days here. So let's get right into it, Paul. Some cuts that were expected, you know, Julius Thomas and Lawrence Timmons were expected, save the Dolphins. Less than $12 million here, but some that were a little bit unexpected, too. And Dominican Sue does get the axe. After June 1st, it's going to save the Dolphins $17 million heading into next year. Also very surprising, Mike Pouncey, the center cut, saves the Dolphins about $8 million too. What do you make out of the, uh, out of the Dolphins' cuts here? Timmons, not shocked. Julius Thomas, not shocked. I, I don't think any of Dolphins' nation is. Uh, the Mike Pouncey one, you know I've been a fan of trying to move on from Pouncey for a couple of years now. I can't remember if it's two or three seasons ago that I first started saying that. You know, let's try to move this guy by the trade deadline. He, he's got worse hips than, than my dad, who just had his replaced in, in November. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's insane to me. This guy is, is practically in a walker. He did put some solid years in in Miami. He's been surrounded by controversy off the field, not enough to warrant letting him go based on that, but definitely provided some distraction at times. The Indomitian Sioux one, I, I, I struggled with a little bit at first, but once I saw what the numbers were as a post-June 1st designation, I totally got it. And really, I got to give the Dolphins credit here. I know we're going to talk a little bit about some of the restructures that did happen, but it sounds pretty much like they walked up to Indomitian Sioux and Mike Pouncey and said, we want you to restructure. And they both kind of raised one of the fingers on each hand. You can figure out which one. And the Dolphins said, all right, bye. You're not going to be a team player. Have a good day. We, we want guys here that want to be here. And I can give them credit for that. I can give both sides credit for that. But best of luck to Mike Pouncey. Best of luck in Dominican Sioux. I'm glad to see that Juwan James is still here because of these moves. Me too. And, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. If the Dolphins had, had it made up in their mind that they were going to cut Mike Pouncey, then I would have been fine with that. If they had it made up in their mind they were going to cut in Dominican Sioux, before they asked either one of them to restructure, then I would have had a problem with that. But it's Dominican Sue did not want to restructure. He's going to go somewhere else, probably Tennessee or New Orleans, and he's going to get a lot more money. So 
I can understand that. And the Dolphins still do have a lot of youth there at the defensive tackle spot with Gotchaw, Jordan Phillips, and, and Vincent Taylor. Looking at the restructuring, the Dolphins did move some dollars around too. Ryan Tannehill and Rashad Jones, team players, restructured their contracts. On one hand, it can kick the can down the road a little bit, but it seems that the Dolphins are making that long-term commitment to both Rashad Jones and to Ryan Tannehill. They are, and, and when we looked at the salary cap over the next few years, this was this was the tough year. We talked about it last offseason. This was the tough year. This was the year that all the money was slammed into for a lot of big contracts. So they are kicking the can down the road a little bit, but they're solidifying their commitment to Ryan Tannehill, which speaks volumes to where his rehabilitation must be at this point because they're not going to do that if they don't feel he's ready to go. And I really like what they did here. The move with Tannehill, it spreads roughly, I think it's $5.5 million per year over 2018, 19, and 20. It saves the team roughly, I think it's around $11.5 million or $11 million per year for Tannehill. Mm-hmm. The restructure that Jones did, it saves the team $6.5 million. So, I mean, that's a lot of money to go out. It lets you do things like retaining Juwan James. It, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about the fact that the Rashad Jones restructure and the Juwan James retention both came out in the same breath from the team. So, Big kudos to Tannehill. Big kudos to to Rashad. They didn't lose a lot of money. Just the team got creative with the way that they're being paid out. Yeah, and I'm fine with the long-term commitment to Tannehill for a couple of reasons. Number one, it does free up money in the interim. And I also think, too, in the next couple of years, they're going to be able to trade Ryan Tannehill unless he completely falls off the map. So you've got a couple options. Either Tannehill does really well and he's at a reasonable salary, or if the Dolphins don't feel like making a long-term commitment to him after the year, they can still potentially cut him or trade him, and it's all, all those options are still on the table. So it, it makes things a lot better there. Rashad Jones, I had a little bit more of difficulty with, number one, because I think long-term you can move T.J. McDonald from free safety to strong safety. And Rashad Jones did just turn 30 years old last month. So I would have been okay with eating the money on him, but it did free up some dollars for the Dolphins to invest heavily in the offensive line, which was our number one priority here this, this off season. They kept Juwan James. And, you know, when I talk about Juwan James and when we've talked about him, it seems like it's not that big of a deal. He's, he's a, Good but not great right tackle. But to me, with a team with so little going for it heading into 2018, keeping Laramie Tunzel and Juwan James at both tackle spots, one guy's 23, one guy's 26, makes a huge difference. They also added left guard a Josh Sitton, a four-time Pro Bowler. They signed him to a two-year $18 million contract with $8 million guaranteed. They also swapped seventh-round picks for 49ers center Dan Kilgore as well. Two solid veterans, sitting obviously the better of the two. Paul, it seems like they nailed our offseason priority here at offensive line. Maybe they don't have to draft Quentin Nelson now. They don't have to draft Quentin Nelson. But if he is there, he's very hard to pass up, even though he's no longer a need anymore at the position. I, I hate to say it, but the guy is pretty well a generational talent at at guard. So maybe you draft him and you throw him into the mix at right guard and see what happens, you know, and then when Sitton leaves in a couple of years, you slide him over. I'd be fine with that. 
it's not like Eric Smith is, is, is out there commanding huge dollars or a huge starting role. He played okay last year. He did. But uh, your, your line is still better with a Quentin Nelson in that mix with, with Kilgore, with Sitton, with Tunsil with Juwan James. And Juwan James, let's face it, I know he's not a sexy name for people, but he's everything you want in an offensive lineman. You never hear his name because he doesn't screw up. So I'm happy as hell, as you know, to have Juwan James back. I've said this stat so many times that I'm even starting to get tired of it. Juwan James has let up two and a half sacks in the last 19 games. Former first-round pick, six foot six, three hundred and twenty pounds. What else do you want out of the right tackle spot? And Dolphins fans seem to have a short memory of what Jonathan Martin, Tyson Claybo, and Mark Columba were. I mean, they flat out ruined games in a season. Not a game, games throughout a season. So I'm glad that the Dolphins could get this offensive line not only back at the tackle spots, but also added Kilgore and added Josh Sitton to where they don't have to draft anybody necessarily. But if Quentin Nelson is there at 11, that's a good problem to have because you can always move Josh Sitton back to, from left guard to right guard where he played for the Packers before. So uh, Ryan Tannehill gets that added protection. He also got some added weapons too. You know, it's an interesting spot here because the Dolphins put the tag on Jarvis Landry. They would have had to pay him $15.9 million after he signed the tag this year. They ended up trading him to the Cleveland Browns for a fourth and seventh round pick. And they took that money and they spent it on Chiefs wide receiver, Albert Wilson and Danny Amendola, who's uh, you know 32 years old. So it seems like they've got some slot options here. So overall, Paul, the Dolphins, by getting rid of Landry, they've gotten a fourth round pick, a seventh round pick, Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, and an additional $2 million. Would you rather have that, or would you rather have Jarvis Landry here in the fold still? I love the conundrum that they've got right now. I like Jarvis Landry. Don't get me wrong. As you've said before, you're not a Dolphins fan if you didn't like Jarvis Landry. But I didn't like Jarvis Landry to the tune of $16 million. I didn't like Jarvis Landry to the tune of what we'd get from, from him versus what we'd get out of Amendola, what we'd get out of Albert Wilson. I like the idea of Jakeem Grant and Kenny Stills being on the outside, bumping into the slot occasionally, et cetera. I like the fact that there's enough depth in that wide receiver room that, yeah, it's another put-up or shut-up year for Devontae Parker. But if he doesn't put up, there's plenty of guys to see the field because on top of those four guys, they've still got Isaiah Ford coming back from injury, missed his entire rookie year. They've still got Leontay Carew, who people keep telling me he's going to do something, and, and I, I haven't seen it yet, but okay. So they're not relying on any one guy to be the guy anymore. And I really love the weapons that they've got. They can go five wide with wide receivers and have everyone – still be effective at this point. So I love what they've done at the wide receiver position. Yeah, and when you look at the depth of the roster in general, I mean, a wide receiver, your top four guys are Parker, Stills, Wilson, Amendola, and Jakeem Grant's going to be your fifth guy because he's, he's your punt returner, kick returner, and he's got a lot of talent. Now for the rest of the roster, you've got Leontay Carew, Isaiah Ford, Rashawn Scott battling for that sixth wide receiver position where last year they were more of potentially the third or fourth guy. So – that's a good problem to have. And along the offensive line, it looks like from left to right, you've got Tunzel, Sitton, Kilgore, Jesse Davis, Juwan James. As backups, you know, you've got Jake Brendel in the mix and, and Ted Larson. But other than that, you've got, you know, 
Isaac Asiata, Anthony Steen, Eric Smith, maybe Sam Young battling for two lineman spots. So it's good to have a stronger 45 on active game day for the Dolphins. One thing I will add there, too, when we're talking about a stronger 45, and I know we're going to get into it in the coming weeks. I know they're not done in these places. You look at the tight end spot behind Marquise Gray, it's an empty cupboard right now. You look at the quarterback spot, and I do like having David Fales back, but behind Ryan Tannehill and behind David Fales, it's a little bit of an empty cupboard right there. And then in the backfield, I'm pretty sure we still only have one running back under contract. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, the backups behind Drake, you've got with Damian Williams as a free agent, Sonoris Perry, Devion Smith, not a whole heck of a lot there. And then a tight end, I mean, Marquise Gray in his own right is not, I mean, he was the third tight end last year. We've always liked him more than other people, but then you got A.J. Derby and Thomas Duarte at that tight end spot. So it wouldn't surprise me either if rounds two through four, the Dolphins really look at that tight end and running back spot. And this is also a good time, too, with, uh, you know, Deion Sims may get cut pretty shortly here. There, there's a lot there to for the Dolphins to gather up at the running back and tight end spot. Also, kind of surprising, Paul, you know, two players that we didn't think would be re-signed but were, William Hayes and Walt Akins. William Hayes, as, as soon as I heard that news, a one-year re-signing, I thought, where the heck are you going to put this guy out on the field? But now that I think about it, a very good edge setter at that defensive end spot, he can play some defensive tackle at, at a position where you've got some youngsters and Phillips got you on Vincent Taylor. So I'm starting to like this William Hayes resigning. I like it a lot. But one thing that, that really clicked in my head with this is it may be a scenario where we see the Dolphins flex somebody in one way or another. We may see a scenario where Charles Harris as we talked about a little bit when they drafted him last year, maybe we see him take his hand out of the dirt and and slide back a level periodically. Maybe we see Andre Branch getting offered out there in trade because I got to say the guy that seems to suffer the most in my mind, if they keep all five of these guys at defensive end is Andre Branch. You're, You're not starting Andre Branch over Robert Quinn. You're not taking him off the field for, or taking William Hayes off the field on first and second down for Andre Branch and you got Cam Wake probably coming in on third down passing situations in place of of, of William Hayes with Charles Harris possibly coming in in those passing situations if you don't drop back a level and you're not paying Andre Branch I believe off the top of my head he's somewhere in the eight million a year range to sit there on the bench so this may be the scenario that we see Andre Branch getting dangled out there for a draft pick possibly a conditional one uh, possibly a mid-rounder and that's where Miami can go after a developmental quarterback. They can go after a Dallas Goddard. They can go after a backup running back. So there's a lot of different things that they could do here based around this William Hayes resigning, which I do love because I loved what we saw from William Hayes last year, and I was sad to see him go. Or I'll tell you, if the Dolphins could get a late seventh rounder in 2021 for a branch, I would take it. I mean, for the very simple reason that he's going to be due $10 million, and I think it was a foolish re-signing to begin with. Now, Charles Harris, uh, I, I do see that versatility too, but I also love his first step as well. And you've also got Cameron Cameron Wake there at, at in his mid-30s. Hopefully he stays on for a couple more years. I, I like that four-man rotation. 
any way the Dolphins can get it. And also Cameron Malveau is, uh, is somewhere back there in the rotation. Maybe he gets into the mix a little bit this year. Anyway, looking at some of the Dolphins' remaining free agents here, and some of these may be signed by the time we, we air this, is running back Damian Williams, safety Michael Thomas, cornerback Ultron Verner, offensive tackle Sam Young. I don't know, Paul, do you see any of these guys coming back? Sam Young, probably not. Michael Thomas, there's a decent chance. The Walt Aikens re-signing makes the Michael Thomas one a little less likely for me, even though I would have preferred Thomas of the two. Damian Williams, I think he probably thinks in his mind there's a bigger market out there for him than there is. So there's a possibility he comes back to Miami because his role is probably bigger here than it would be most places. I want Werner back. Uh, if, If not Werner, one of the handful of remaining veteran corners that wouldn't be super expensive and can come in and, and be a little bit of a leadership voice in that in the uh, defensive back locker room for for all these young corners that Miami has. Because after Werner at cornerback, pretty sure Bobby McCain's the old man in the corner room. So <laughs> yeah. it would be good to get a, a, a voice of experience back there with these guys, at least for somebody they can look to on the sidelines and you can put on the field either inside or outside in the pitch. Yeah, I'm with you on Werner. I thought Werner did a good job last year other than get beat for a long touchdown early in the season against the Jets. Michael Thomas, I would like back too, but I also think the Dolphins made their choice with Walt Aikens. I mean, two years, $2.7 million. That's pretty beefy for a just simply special teams guy. He hasn't shown a lot of positional value. I would love to bring back Sam Young, too, if he can come back for about $2 million a year. And here's why. Because on game day, you're going to have a really strong seven or eight offensive lineman that can play for you with a lot of versatility. You can have Tunzel, Sitton, Kilgore, Davis, Jesse, and, uh, or excuse me, Juwan James, as well as Ted Larson, Young, and Brendel. I mean, and if a guy goes down, it's not the end of the world. So I'd like to get Sam Young back in the fold if possible. But, Paul, looking at the what really is, I mean, 90% of the offseason so far just crammed into these couple of days, what would you grade the offseason so far for the, for the Dolphins? I think early on it looked like a panic mode, but quite frankly, they're doing a lot of the things that we've said we wanted to see them do for years. They're going out and, and handling things in a lot of the ways that made the Pats successful for years, which I hate saying that, but they're making smart decisions here. They're making shrewd decisions here. They're not overpaying for players. They're fixing some some bad contracts and some bad cap numbers. And really, I, I've got to go with a B-plus right now, even though I absolutely love it, just because I think there's more to go, and I think if they knock the rest of it out of the park the way they have thus far, this could very easily be that point in time that we point back to in a couple of years and say that's when the Dolphins finally turned a corner. That's when hearing about culture change for 10 years through 40 million coaches, it finally started to truly happen. Well said. And I thought after the first, actually Monday night, I this was the word that I was getting that the Dolphins were going to keep Mike Pouncey at center. They were going to release Juwan James if they couldn't find a long-term contract after lowballing him. And their big ticket free agent signing was going to be wide receiver Albert Wilson. At that point, I was absolutely irate. But then the, everything started to really turn up there. They ended up choosing Juwan James over Mike Pouncey. They signed Josh Sitton at that left guard spot. They pour all those other resources from guard, from left guard to right guard, because that's what Josh Sitton does. 
and then they do cut Mike Pouncey, and then they get a steal in what I think is uh, Dan Kilgore. You know, three years, $11.8 million. They're going to take over that contract because Kilgore got that from San Francisco just a month ago, and you, you've got at least a middle-of-the-pack solid veteran center. I think they've stabilized the offensive line, and that's exactly what's needed with Ryan Tannehill coming back after 21 months of not playing football. I'm going to give this a B-plus, too. I promised I would give the Dolphins at least a B on the offseason if they kept Juwan James and they fixed the left guard spot beforehand. You are listening to On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul Picken. We have a lot to talk about here in the rest of the offseason with these free agent pickups that are going to start funneling in as well as the NFL draft. You can follow us on Facebook, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fifth side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.